Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Sunday. This is your host, Tessa Rose, and welcome to A Seat at the Table. Pull up a chair and join me at the table. This episode is sponsored by CH Consulting Services. If you want to take your business or brand to the next level, contact CH Consulting Services at www.chconsultingservicesllc.com for a consultation and sign up for blog updates. Visit the website to get the latest tips on protecting your brand and image and virtual 101 meeting tips. So, okay, this episode, guys, I am excited because we do have a guest host, Mr. Rodney Lewis, who will be talking to us about his new podcast on black men and mental health. We will be discussing that later on in the episode. But for this episode, our book recommendation will come from our guest host. So, Mr. Lewis, could you please give us the book recommendation for this episode? Well, hello, hello, everyone. Thank you, Tessa. So, my book recommendation for the day has to do um, with a little bit of what I will be promoting my podcast, which is mental health. Um, So, the book is called Prisoners of Our Thoughts by Alex Pacheco. Um, it just goes over um, concepts of how to think as far as life um, topics, as far as um, life doesn't just happen to us. It's going to be on yourself, um, things that will help um, in shaping your mental. So, again, that is the book recommendation for this episode. I hope you all go out, get that book, and read up on it, and leave us your comments in the section to let us know how you like the book and your feedback. So before we get into the black men and mental health um, portion of the session, I will be discussing cancel culture. Um, Last week, you know, every week it appears that someone is, you know, being canceled by the cancel culture. So last week on Twitter, Dr. Seuss was trending, I believe on Tuesday, March the 2nd, which happens to be Read Across America Day and his birthday. So imagine being canceled technically on your birthday. So the Dr. Seuss Foundation or state decided to stop printing six books because they contain racist and insensitive imagery. So school districts across the country have also moved away from Dr. Seuss. The Loudoun County School Public Schools in Virginia released guidance to their school districts to not connect Read Across America Day exclusively with Dr. Seuss' birthday. A spokesman for that school district stated that Dr. Seuss and his books are no longer the emphasis of Read Across America Day. So while the books have not been banned in that school district, they are still available to the students. So the six books that are banned are McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scramble Egg Super, The Cat's Quizzer, and To Think That I Saw It on Marbury Street and and If I Ran the Zoo. So in, in To Think That I Saw It on Marbury Street, a white man is show, shown using a whip on a man of color. And in If I Ran the Zoo, a white boy holds a large gun while standing on the heads of three Asian men. And If I Ran the Zoo also features two men from Africa who are shirtless, shoeless, and wearing grass skirts while holding an exotic animal. The Cat in the Hat, one of Dr. Seuss's most popular books, has received criticism also, but will continue to be published for now. 
So I thought that was interesting when I logged on last week and seen that Dr. Seuss was trending and they were trying to get the Seuss and his books out of there. Do you have any comments, Mr. Lewis, on Dr. Seuss being, you know, possibly being canceled and they're not going to associate him with Read Across America Day? I believe Doc, um, Dr. I believe President Biden even left his name out of the, you know, comments he said about Read Across America Day. Okay. Um, I, I just think it's interesting. I think um, that I'm always uh, trying to promote pointing things out and, and getting things heard and just trying to figure out um, what to actually do about things. Um, because, I mean, this pays attention to, you know, what someone actually stands for and, mm-hmm. and makes sense to kind of mm-hmm. just make people aware that these right. things still exist. Because sometimes in society and in, in communities and in, in, in certain areas of the world, they try to pretend as if things got better or they don't continue to exist. And if okay. we, still can point, we still can point out that these things still do exist, and they're mm-hmm. in media, they're on platforms, they're on the Internet, they're in communities, they're in these listening names, then we could actually pay more attention to the fact that things exist and continue to do something about it instead of allowing it to just exist blindly and, and, and kind of ignore that these things still need work. So mm-hmm. yeah. that, that it's a good thing to right. um, just keep keep pointing them out, keep letting them know that it's not it's not acceptable. It's not this is not something we're going to tolerate just because you try to put put it in a book. You know, back in the in the older days, it's like you want to try to hide something from black folks taking in the book, um, which was pretty offensive, like we don't read. But now it's kind of like, okay, this is in the book, and we found this. You know, just I, I just believe this placing, you know, place the blame where blame is and just get the conversation continue going so we continue to um, let people know that this stuff still, still exists today. Okay. So um, for the listeners out there, leave us some comments about your um, feedback or comments about the cancel culture and Dr. Seuss books and those six possibly being banned and not published again. So the next person up for the cancel culture last week is Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. Um, Reports started coming out first that the governor misrepresented numbers in COVID deaths or cases in the nursing homes in his state. And and if that wasn't enough to cancel him, several women have accused the governor of sexual harassment. Some of the women include aides who work for him, and his own party is calling for him to resign. The governor has released several statements admitting that he, you know, that he may have been inappropriate and he's apologized if he made anyone feel uncomfortable, but he, as of now, is refusing to resign. So, Mr. Lewis, do you have any comments on, you know, Andrew Cuomo and his position with this sexual harassment or with the, you know, inflating, in a sense, the COVID deaths in a nursing home? Oh, oh man. Um, (laughs) I'm not surprised by politicians' bad behavior. Uh, This has been something that has been uh, adamant in society for a long time. I think people associate those type of things with politicians. Um, but the fact that uh, he's being pointed out and put in that position, um, it, it's really a shame that mm-hmm. we, we, we got to continue to keep 
telling people what's wrong when you're mm-hmm. an author and what not to do. And right. I feel like you, you study this. You know this. Mm-hmm. This behavior, you you getting caught doing this behavior is like saying, you know, I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, but I didn't think I was going to get caught. Exactly. Um, so it's like, okay, if you're a politician, you're under a microscope. You're in the spotlight. You're, you're, things you're going to do are going to be criticized. You can't just do things to people and think things aren't going to happen, you know? And, right. And, and, just, and, 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 and disparities and the things about taking the numbers, like that to me is just a, a little insensitive. I think he shouldn't be a politician. Um, he, he, shouldn't okay. he shouldn't want to be a politician because politicians, even though overall we feel like politicians don't care about people, uh, when it comes to the opportunity for you to, to, to make a change or do something that affects people that vote for you or your, or your main audience or public, if you neglect to even show them some type of decency, some type of justice, some type of sympathy, I mean, what use or what good are you to anybody in, in, in that environment? Like, what politician for what is what I say. So, um, yeah, he, he, I feel like he deserves he deserve everything he gets. He everything he gets. And the facts is the facts at the end of the day. And as a politician, you should be able to handle the facts. If you can't, you shouldn't be a politician. Okay. So, again, um, if you're listening or to this episode, give us your comments about the cancel culture. Should Governor Andrew Cuomo be canceled? Should he resign? So we're going to move on to the number three contestant for the cancel culture, <laughs> Baltimore <laughs> City Public Schools, specifically the Augusta Fell Savage Institute of Visual Arts. It came out last week that the one parent had went to Project Baltimore to complain that her son, who's 18 years old, he's, he was a senior, she found out, she was thinking that he was graduating this, this um, coming year, but she was informed that her son was going to be sent back to the ninth grade because he's been failing ever since he's been in high school, and she wants to know what happened and why are they sending her, her son back to the ninth grade. So Project Baltimore did some investigation. They found out that this particular young man has over the last three or four years has missed something like 270-something days of school. He only passed maybe two or three classes. His GPA is like 0.13 or 0.16, and he's ranked at the top of the class with a 0.13. So, of course, you know, people are calling for this school to be shut down. Um, It appears this school, as of 2019, the data has about 419 students with about 96% of those African-American and a great percentage of possibly 50%, 54% are young black males. So I wanted to um, bring that to the fore table because um, it goes into play with Mr. Lewis talking about black men and mental health. And here we have in our school system, particularly with a young black male. He's 18. Now he goes to alternative school where he's um, geared to graduate in 2023. So essentially he has to start all over. But, um, you know, people place the blame, say the parent is at fault. Some people say the school system is at fault. Some people say it's equal blame on both parties, um, that this young man has sort of been slipped through the cracks and just promoted no matter what. He was failing classes but he, it appears that the school was just promoting him and also 
you know, for instance, he failed English one. They promoted him to English two. You fail English algebra one. Why send somebody to algebra two? So um, the school system and, you know, the parents here really did a disservice here. So um, Mr. Rodney, uh, Mr. Lewis, Mr. Rodney, I'll let you take it sort of from here and then it will lead into your discussion. Of what do you think happened here? Who's to blame? And should this school this particular school be shut down. Um, I, I did a little research, and as I said, it, their test scores have never been, scores are like less than 5%, less than 1%. Uh, they they have uh, academic programs for um, information technology and visual arts, but I don't, it doesn't seem to be consistent of what the school at large is learning because this young man is not the only one. The um, investigation found out there's hundreds of students in the same predicament where mm-hmm. they're not. They're just put passing them along. They're not really passing. They're reading on a third grade level. They're in the twelfth grade, but they're reading on a third grade level. And the program here seems to be intensive. They have an academic program for intensive literacy. And if it's intensive and half of your school population is reading on a third grade level and really not passing. Like what is happening here? Um, yeah, this is Baltimore City Schools one. Um, I think that the important part of this, I mean, in place of blame, it's easy to place blame. So it's easy to point a finger. It's easy to say this is that person's fault because this is this is that person's responsibility. This is that person's job. Um, but. Overall, I mean, I feel like we knew that these issues existed in Baltimore City schools, especially with our teens, especially with our black teens. I think it starts with understanding the importance of education. I think um, that child was done a disservice in the beginning by him not or him not appearing to have taken an interest in his education. When they showed these grades and these report cards, it was like, well, what? about those are even acceptable to that child, you know, for these mm-hmm. grades to be this low or him to say, what was his goal? Was his goal just to get a 50% or a 60% or to barely make passing, you know, um, for, to, for him to allow or for the system to allow, for his parents to allow his grades to be that way for that long, something had to happen during that four-year period of time that should have drawn attention to the fact that he failed 22 classes. He was late or absent 272 times. Mm-hmm. How do we get to four years to address it? It, it doesn't, it, it, this doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't, it's not the issue. That can't be the issue. Um, I think there's some things that are, are being hidden. There's some discussions that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. There's something, you know, there's things in play that we're leaving out that are important, that are facts okay. that we need to know to right. understand how we get to four years. Nobody is going to go four years in this type of situation and care about it and, and, and be disservice. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. This is a public school system. Now, when we look at the 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 rank of the class rank of 62 of 120, which means if he's 62 and he has a 0.13 GPA, that means 61 people have something equal or below that. That's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Um, 
that means that he's not the only child being there's something wrong with the system. There's something wrong with our idea of what the system should be and who we should hold responsible or accountable for things like this happening, especially for our black men's sake. Because at the end of the day, how I feel is that the responsibility of education itself, um, me myself should understand the importance of education. Me myself should be the one responsible for the type of education that I get and I receive, and I should be able to promote that. I think right. that the, the, the mental health thing comes along with me understanding that young man's mindset when it comes to his education. What's important to him when it comes to his education? Why is it important? Why is it not important? Who taught him if, that, if his reason or his explanation for it is based upon what he was taught or what he wasn't taught, why was he or wasn't he taught that education was important or education should be something that he should promote himself? Um, we don't know if that's the case. We don't understand if mm-hmm. that's his, his mind frame. We don't have a conversation with him. We don't have words for him. We have words from his parents. We have words from, um, but at this point, now it's kind of doing damage control or it's kind of like, oh, I thought everything was great. I thought everything was wonderful. And now I found out that it's not. Now we need to do something about it. But even when she talked about her family, she thought, you know, she started it off to me, you know, with I have three jobs and I have three kids. So it's kind of like, okay, I was too busy to pay thorough attention to my child's education. Mm-hmm. So because I have three, I have two other children and then I have three jobs. I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't have that. So how do you know, how do we know where to place the blame and it be effective or efficient or to say, okay, she was so busy that she probably got these conversations um, or these letters. I think the school system did send, send what they said, the two-page letter and, and kind of detail what Baltimore City schools do when it comes to absences and when it comes to failed classes. Um, like they, they send letters or they make an automatic phone call because he was late or absent 272 times. Um, so did she get 272 phone calls? Um, mm-hmm. she, you know, right, we don't, so, right. we don't, right. We don't right. know. We don't know. We don't we know. Can, we don't know. The system is saying, the system is saying that these are automatic, that these are things that mm-hmm. automatically happen. So these are what happened to all. And she's kind of saying that those things didn't happen. Um, so we're kind of having a back and forth. Nobody has documented proof. Nobody has, um, nobody's coming to the table with a conversation about what they lacked or what they missed or what needed to be made up or there's no real conversation because no one's really taking the blame. Everybody's pointing the finger. Um, Nobody's actually understanding what the real actual issue is and who's actually missing out here, which is the child. He now has to go back to ninth grade and kind of start all over in high school. But I mean, who does that benefit? Is that going to help him? If he still doesn't take his education serious or it's still not important to him, what they send him back to the ninth grade, what is that going to do for him? I think it's, it's going to put him in a position where now he has to feel a certain type of way about his education. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that affects his environment, his community mm-hmm. around him. And then that, for teenagers and for black men, affects them mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a 17-year-old in the ninth grade. That's already an outlier. It's like mm-hmm. a 17 years old. He's already kind of going to be in a kind of public eye some people probably know who he is. 
It was all from a news story. You know, I, th- I think this is going to make it harder for him mm-hmm. in his education. And then if, if his mindset isn't, I'm just going to go in here and I'm going to gain the education that I was supposed to have initially, then that puts him at a certain place where, okay, I have to do this, this, that, and this in order to get to where I need to get to. But we still don't understand how he feels about his education. What he right. thinks is important about his education. What is he going to benefit from going back and actually getting an education? I, I had a conversation with someone over there that said, they said well, why don't he just go? He's too old. Why don't he just go get his GED and not go back to the ninth grade? He's 17 years old. He's in the mm-hmm. accelerator program where now he wants, now his, his parents saying that, or his mother is saying that uh, he, he should be able to graduate by 2023. Mm-hmm. At the age of like twenty, you know mm-hmm. that that to me is like the the only discussion or the only topic of conversation for me that was said was he should be able to graduate. They're not talking about him learning, him getting the mm-hmm. actual good education. All they want is him to graduate. The the the, the focus is never the education of the child. It isn't. We want him to get the best education possible. We want him to be able to use his education to, to, to benefit his life, his community, his environment, him to make it better, to make his mental better, to help him learn so he can learn about societal things and, and, how, to, and how to matriculate through life as a black man and, and with education and things you need to know, what you need to do. No conversation was about the actual effective part of his education. It was about him graduating. So right. it's like, I need him to graduate. So yeah, and it appears, right. yeah, so it appears that, um, like you said, things that we don't know, because it seems like this story, when it came out to me, it was just this one parent that had this issue, and then it was the investigation. But if you do a little research, apparently in 2019, there was an investigation into the school. The principal and someone else have been removed and replaced. So it's just not this young man. Um, it just seemed like mm-hmm. his story became the forefront with this parent and him not graduating. When they started this investigation into the school, they started with the seniors, you know, going through the transcripts, alerting the parents that they're senior, you know, didn't have the credits, they're they not going to graduate and stuff of that nature. So there were some underlying things, as you said earlier, that we don't know about that an investigation was launched into the school. And here we are going into the 2021 school year. And how long does it take to, you know, investigate mm-hmm. a situation is this when over half the school are performing very below average. There's 0.16 GPA, 0.13 GPA. There's, I haven't seen a one point anything, two point anything GPA coming from the majority of the students here. So um, not only this young man that we were, you know, talking about, there's a hundred more like him, men mm-hmm. and young women going through the same thing at this school. And, you know, they get about $17,781 per pupil at that school. Um, millions of dollars they've given um, to, you know, operate this school. And in a sense, they're failing 
the students, mm-hmm. they're failing the community. And as you said, it, it plays on our existence as we travel along in, in your life path. And education is a very important source of that as you reach each milestone. Um, even at you know when you get older, you look back um, at your, your you know your years in school. Um, you look back of things that you know how you progress to a certain point, and this plays a, a major part. Also, when we we have children, you know what you learn, you pass down it to the next mm-hmm. generation. Um, so um, it, it takes a toll on everyone, and and it's sad that this particular school continue to operate. If you go back and do the research, I look, I, I you know, research schools, school digger or great schools, and if you look back 2005 or whenever it became into existence, the numbers were never good, never good yeah. 10 years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Um, and then we keep funneling money to the schools. Mm-hmm. And you, although, the, you know, that number one thing, they need more money. Baltimore City schools need money. Well, you have yeah. the money. So the next step is what? So, you know, I'm all about, you know, solutions, you know, I mm-hmm. identify the problem and then I want to create solutions and I want them to be enforceable. I want to see, you know, some results. Okay. But um, it's said that this situation has happened and it said again, that he's not the only one. There are several hundred other students in the same predicament um, at this school. So hopefully, you know, they can, reform that school, if they're going to shut it down and get these kids the education that they need um, mm-hmm. and um, turn it around. So thank you. Uh, so again, to the audience, if you're listening, give us a, your comments about any of the council cultures. We started with Dr. Seuss. We went into Governor Andrew Cuomo and then the Baltimore City Public School System. So now we're going to turn and introduce my guest host is Mr. Rodney Lewis. Please give us a little bio and tell us about your Black Men and Mental Health podcast that you have coming up. Okay, thank you. Um, so, again, like you say, I'm, I'm Rodney Lewis. Um, so, um, I, my emphasis or my, the important part of my type of conversation is about mental health, especially Black men. Um, that's the focus um, because um, more and more conversation needs to be had about mental health, especially in black communities, and I think with black men. Um, the issues with black men um, that I want to have is to kind of provide insight on how mental issues can be resolved or addressed. Um, most of the times, addressing things helps to bring to light what the actual issues are. Having a conversation. In, a, in, a, in an environment where everyone has a concern for one another and everyone is only looking out for the best interest and trying to promote healthy conversation um, to help promote a, a kind of a better environment, um, create a team of people that work together in a positive direction with each other instead of in competition with one another. And also, um, the mental health aspect is just to understand the things that affect our black men mentally to get them to behave certain ways that they behave. Um, because sometimes when these things are addressed and the conversation that we had, um, it, it can affect someone. It could, it, it, could, it could change a type of a conversation for a group of people that it may not necessarily, that may not necessarily think that they need to have those conversations. Many times um, in working, in the past, I've worked in group homes. I've worked in independent living facilities for at-risk youth. Um, 
and then I went on to work in um, uh, at a state job, federal job, um, and black men are lacking. Um, and we see that in everyday culture and society, especially in groups that we consider successful, that the, the number of black men are rare. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that that underlying fact might be how us or all of the black, or, you know, how we think as black men, what we think is the goal for, for who we want to be, what environments or what communities we want to be involved in, what social groups, um, and our ability to be there. Um, our education, which is one thing we just talked about, our education level. Um, do we see education is important? And if we don't, is that limiting the type of groups that we can be involved in, the type of environments that we should be a part of, the type of conversations that we need to be a member of? Um, the mental health with black men mostly is because as a race that is kind of now kind of in the forefront of this social injustice, um, you know, black men, you know, our communities, they're more afraid for us. They're more skeptical of us. They're more, um, they're, we're put more in their light as someone who is more inclined to have a criminal behavior. Um, mm-hmm. And that has to do mostly with, one, the things that we face on a daily basis, two, the people that think of us that way, and three, how how our community and our environment um, put us in these situations or try to put us a part of a, uh, a topic of discussion or put us a part of a, a community or an environment where we don't think about or we don't talk about what the underlying issues are, what the mental part of how could a, a black man in a situation have not been in that situation. Now, there's, 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 there's ways that we can't control where it's somebody doing something to us. But I think that if we really look at, at, at the majority of the issues, that mentally, if we have a conversation with black men um, as a whole, we will find out, depending on where that black man's from, that community, that environment, that sometimes we're all suffering from the same mental. We all have the same picture in our head of where we should go, what our opportunities are, um, our capacity to learn, our capacity to be successful, our ability to do things. Um, everybody is not afforded the same opportunity. Everybody doesn't believe that they have the same opportunity. Everybody doesn't take advantage of the same opportunity because they don't see what the actual benefit of taking those opportunities are because at the end of the day, in my mind, I'm still a black man. Um, so those conversations, in my opinion, should be had, and we should talk about it. We should talk about the effect of family on, on a black man's mental, what, the, what a black man feels their role is in family, and what others feel on the outside looking in feel that that black man's role is and how that affects the black man. How does that change his behavior? How does that change what he does on a daily basis? How does that change his goals and his aspirations for his life and what he should do and how he should contribute? Um, those things are affecting the community in a way where what we don't understand is behavior is learned. It's not just something that just one day I just rise up and say, I'm going to do this. It, it, it comes from 
what I believe my opportunity is, what I believe I can accomplish, what I believe I can do, what I believe I should do, how I feel, what my family structure is as far as who's a role model for me. What do I have to look forward to? Do I have the capacity? What my parents did? You know, some people have these mindsets where we want to try to have a discussion about what is instead of what should be and how we can become something more based on how we think, based on what we do, um, how we feel, and where do we get these from? Why, why is it this way? Because I just wholeheartedly believe if you change how you think, you change how you live. Um, your thoughts, the way you think is, is how you operate. And if you think negative, if you think negative are going to happen, um, and not 100% positive, it's always, it's always good to stay positive, but it's always good to still have a conversation. I think conversations can resolve a lot of issues um, because conversations open up the floor for my opinion. And it, it's a free-flowing, and it's an understanding of, I just want to talk about it and hear it out loud, and then I can hear someone else say it, and then maybe they can offer an insight or view to something that I may not have understood before. And then maybe give, show me or give me an opportunity um, or, 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 or find me a resource where I can use it um, to make things better or to address the issue that I have. Um, it, it, to me, just the mental is, is the important part to start at the mental. Um, because if we start at the mental, understanding the behavior becomes easy, and then changing people's actions can follow. So that's most um, part of what the podcast to me will be about as far as the topic. So if we listen podcast, um, but um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Okay, thank you. That was very informative information. Um, thank you to our guests for the information. It was very informative and insightful on black men and mental health. And you are welcome here anytime at a seat at the table. And I wish you the best on your upcoming podcast and platform. And for the audience, I hope you all enjoyed the show and leave us your comments and feedback on any of the topics we discussed this segment. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio. Join us next Sunday at a seat at the table by Tessa Rose. Enjoy your week.